Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here as always with Chris Whittingham. Now that you have found us, make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button so you get all of our new, all of our old episodes and all of our new episodes as soon as they post. Also, check out the other 14. Every, every day I do a new podcast, <laughs> we end up adding to this. The other 14 podcasts in our network. I think we're done for a little while, but the most recent two that we added are the Chamber podcast that's hosted by former Dolphins receiver Chris Chambers, as well as Shea Tab and Zach Duarte. That is on fitness and performance and lifestyle. And then also our Boxing MMA podcast, Out for the Count. They are official. They've put out some episodes with us. They now have their own feed. It's called Out for the Count. You can find it for now on Podbean. It'll be on iTunes and Google Play soon. That is Vic Bermudez and Armando Alvarez. Also, of course, because this is our debut on Dash Radio for the five reasons uh, podcast. Also check out Miami Heat Beat. They're also on Dash Radio. They had a new episode yesterday where they went over the state of the heat and our lefty Leif had his rant about with the position that the Heat are in right now. But on this episode, we're going to bring in a longtime friend and you know him. You've seen him on television, on NBA TV, Turner Sports, so many other places, also NBA.com. Now you can find him at The Athletic DC Check him out at 321, at David Aldridge, D.C. You can find him there, find his work. He's now back in what – it's the motherland, right, David? Isn't this where, isn't this where it all started for you? <laughs> well, it's home. It's home, home. Born, raised, live, will die here. It's good. You're the one good thing that D.C. has produced recently. So we, <laughs> we, so, so that's, that's, that's definitely a good thing. All right, so what we're going to do with him is we're going to go through – uh, the NBA here, but we're going to, with a focus, as we always do, a little bit on the Heat, but also on the team that he's going to cover tonight as we're speaking, which is the Washington Wizards. So I want to start here with you. Um, down here, we've been on Jimmy Butler watch for about, I don't know, six weeks, um, you know, and hoping that maybe the Heat would make a move, even if it wasn't the best move, just to shake it up. And now, of course, that Jimmy Butler is in Philadelphia. He's actually making his debut tonight as we speak against Orlando. Now the Heat focus, or at least the Heat fan focus, has turned to the mess in Washington. So how likely do you think it is, David, that John Wall or Bradley Beal will be traded? Wow, you guys just bounce from one from one guy to the next, right? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Oh, we're going to get Kawhi. Oh, no, no, we're going to get Jimmy Butler. No, now we're going to get Bradley Beal. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> no, you're not getting Bradley Beal. They're not trading him. And nobody's going to trade for John Wall when he's got $47 million to hand that puppy. So I'd be shocked if anybody was even interested in John because of that number. Fred certainly has a lot of interest around the league. I know everybody acts like this was, this was something that was just reported yesterday, but I've talked about this two weeks ago that Minnesota was trying to get Bradley Beal for uh, Jimmy Butler. And the Wizards had kind of low-key interest in Jimmy Butler, but it certainly was not going to be for Bradley Beal. They would have talked about out of quarter, I think, uh, but not Bradley Beal. So uh, I should never say never. People get trades all the time. Um, so I can't say that they would never trade Bradley Beal. But I don't think that – I think it would take an all-star player coming back, preferably a front-court all-star player coming back. Uh, at least uh, Bradley it sounds crazy when you talk about a guy that's making $25 million a year. But it's a, it's a pretty reasonable contract in today's NBA uh, for a guy that's a – all-star, what made the all-star team last year, certainly all-star level, uh, two guard. So he has a lot of interest. Uh, there's a lot of interest. But the Wizards, they may be delusional, guys, I, I grant you. But they still think they're going to turn this thing around with this group. And they still think that, that Wall and Wheeler have the capability of taking them somewhere. So they are very reluctant to break that duo up. 
But isn't there sort of a deeper issue there from a chemistry point of view? Isn't there a deeper issue of how are these guys going to coexist? These guys don't like each other. It seems like the biggest problem is not that there's a shortage of talent because this is a team that came a game away from making the Eastern Finals a couple of years ago. I, I don't feel like their skill sets have necessarily dropped off. Even John Wall, who obviously is taking all kinds of criticism now, I don't feel like he's fallen off that much. So it would have to be something bigger than basketball that is the reason why this has fallen off. Don't you think they have to make a change just for the sake of making a change? No, honestly, no. Frankly, I think that, that Wall people don't like each other. The game is two years old, uh, and it's not necessarily true. I'm not saying they go out and hang, go to the Caribbean together for vacation, but a working relationship. I think they're fine with each other. The problems the Wizards have, well, it starts with Walt, but not because he doesn't get along with Beal. <laughs> okay. Um, their problems are more that they don't have a consistent third score to go with those guys. Their defense is different, and that definitely starts with John, and it's John's fault, frankly, as I, as I see it. They were a good defensive team. They were a top five defensive team a couple of years ago, and they have fallen off dramatically, and I think John is part of the problem. The central reason why that defense has dropped off because he just does not play consistently at the level. He played that defensively a couple of years ago when he was borderline MVP discussion. Yeah, I don't, again, the chemistry, quote unquote, between John and Bradley is, it's, it's fine. It's not, again, they're not best friends, but Stockton and Malone weren't best friends. I mean, I know everybody wants to think that they were, but they weren't. I mean, I can tell you that. <laughs> You know, they got along. They worked together on the floor. And so I think that that part is a little overblown. Their issues are more fundamental than these two guys don't like each other. It's they don't have enough talent, okay? <laughs> they don't have enough talent up front. They don't have enough consistent scoring after those two guys. And, you know, they have some coaching. They make some coaching decisions that are kind of odd to me. So all those, to me, those are the bigger reasons why these why the Wizards have struggled so far this year. The thing about it, David, though, and I think this applies to the Heat, too, although they haven't been quite as bad off early this season, although the Wizards do have a win against them, is that the way I see the Eastern Conference and why this is so challenging is that you have basically five teams that are not trying at all. Okay, this year, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, that where it's just better off for them to tank, Uh, you know, I mean, Orlando, Atlanta, the Knicks, uh, I mean, just Cleveland. Uh, you know, and then you have you have some other teams that are just not good enough yet. Chicago uh, probably not going to make a playoff push. The Nets, who the Heat are playing tonight, you know, looked better this year. Actually, I think they've done a really good job of reshaping that thing. But then their best player gets hurt, or the guy who's played the best right. for them this season. So the the way I see it, and where I see the Heat being stuck and the Wizards being stuck, is there are basically, as I see it, five good teams in the East. Okay, Toronto, Boston, Philadelphia. Indiana, Milwaukee, and then there's basically five or six teams that are not really trying, and so you're just kind of stuck between six and ten, essentially, and so, like, I, we have a lot of Heat fans down here who are like, well, they should tank, right? How do they out, how do you out-tank a Cleveland team without LeBron run by Dan Gilbert? How do you out-tank that? How do you out-tank Orlando? How do you out-tank Atlanta in this stage of their rebuild? I just wonder if Washington's in the same place, because like I said, they need more talent. It might benefit them to get a higher pick, but I don't know that they would be bad enough if they still have wall Beal and Porter all healthy to actually get, you know, one of the top three or four lottery spots in the Eastern conference. Well, exactly. And so to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, you could say they're stuck. I mean, that's a, that's not an unfair, I guess, position to, to, 
to take with them. To me, it doesn't make any sense to trade your two best players for 50 cents on the dollar on the hope that you might get a lottery ball going in your direction. That just pains me because I've seen, I've covered this team when they were trying to do that and they never got the first pick <laughs> and they kept trying to get the first pick and they never got the first pick. So um, you can't count on that. And even when you get the first pick, you got to have somebody to take with the first pick. <laughs> so that, that is such a long shot and it takes so long. And I know Philly fans think they kind of reinvented the wheel process, but the fact of the matter is they still took Okafor in the top three and they didn't take Porzingis and they took, and they took Bolts one and they didn't take uh, Tatum. And they have been fortunate that they, that they, that Embiid held up physically. Uh, but if Embiid doesn't hold up physically, then they're all fired and they're, you know, and they're stuck. So, um, you have to be lucky too in this. So, um, the Wizards, I don't think they look at it as as they're stuck. They look at it as, uh, and I suspect, I don't know this, you guys know better than I do. I suspect the Heat feel the same way. Hey, we're a playoff team and all we got to do is get in the tournament. It's the East. We're not going to, even if we finish eighth, it's not like we got to play Golden State in the first round. We have no shot. Okay. Now the shot against Boston was probably not very good. I grant you that, but they're not afraid of Boston. They've played Boston pretty, pretty well in the last few years. Again, if they decide, if they guard Kelly Olenek in Game Seven instead of letting him leave him wide open, probably win that game and get to the Eastern Conference Finals. So um, they feel like all they got to do is get in, and they've got two guys that can win playoff games for you. So again, that may be delusional, it may be stupid. I don't, but I don't think rebuilding to me. You show me where rebuilding has worked. Golden State got great. With, a, with three guys, none of whom were taken in the top five. So that just put the whole lie to tanking. <laughs> they didn't have a single pick in the top five. And they got Curry and they got Thompson and they got Draymond Green, which is the core of the championship team. So this whole thing, well, we just got to get in the top five, we'll be fine. This, this seems kind of silly to me. Now, in terms of that hope that you're talking about and that potential, I, it, for, for the Heat, it's one half of one season, which feels like a really small sample to cling to, but it was a, a, a half in which they won 75% of their games, and people thought that if you bring that team back, that it would be good for Washington. There is kind of a broader sample of Washington being good in, in playoff series, Washington being good in regular seasons. Do you think that there's kind of a hope that one day John Wall is going to start playing great defense and everything's going to look like it did a couple of years ago? I think the hope is that he will play great defense again, is the point. He has done it. It's not like he didn't do it. It's not like this is year eight and he's never played good defense. Beginning with Randy Whitman's last couple of years, Randy really challenged John. And I think that's, again, part of the issue here is that Randy really challenged John and John responded. And Scott Brooks is a different kind of coach. Um, And I don't know that John's responding the same way. Uh, The Wizards, again, were an excellent defensive team. You can go look it up. They were top ten three or four years in a row in most of the defensive metrics, both the terrestrial and advanced ones, um, they were a, a very good defensive team. They have slipped, and that was the core of their being, was they turned you over, they got stops, they got rebounds, they got John Wall out in transition where he was deadly. Um, and they don't do that nearly as often. Now, some of it is, you know, again, regression to the mean luck. Nobody can, I mean, the, the three-pointers are giving up are insane. That's got to get better just because of luck and randomness and things like that. But fundamentally, they're just not as good defensively as they've been. Um, and again, you look at bringing in Dwight Howard, you think that would help, and maybe you could Dwight get 
healthy, they'll be better. Uh, but it starts with John Wall to me. It starts with John, and he's got to he's got to commit to that every night. Um, now I don't know what his knees feel like every night. He, you know, the, the concern with the Wizards and the whispers around the league for the last two or three years has been that John's got bad knees. Um, so I don't know if they're barking every night. It makes it hard for him to get in the stands. Um, but if they're not, he's got to be better. And to your point. This is a team that's won three first-round series. It's not like they've gone over. You know, I mean, I tell you, up here in D.C., I mean, people act like the Wizards are the worst, worst, you know, franchise in town. They've won playoff series. The Nationals haven't won one yet, as far as I know, since they've been here. They haven't won one yet. They've won. The Redskins haven't won a playoff game in an awful long time. The Wizards have won three playoff series and have gotten pretty close to getting to the Eastern Conference Finals twice. So it's not like that hasn't happened. It's just that they just have to get back to what it is that they've done well and got them to that. So I want to rely on your experience covering all the legends around the league. And what we see down here in Miami, again, is a team that to our vantage point looks stuck um, mm-hmm. in, in, you know, somewhere in that sort of six to 10 vortex. But I think in some ways they're, they're worse off than the wizards, because like you said, they don't have a player who can take over a playoff series. At least the wizards know if they got there, that they might be able to steal one because they have Wall and Beal. The Heat don't have a player of that quality. Um, And they also are locked up with a huge, huge salary uh, going forward with a bunch of, you know, slightly above average players without anybody who looks like he has the upside to be a top 20 type guy. So having covered all these guys around the league, how do you think it ends for Pat Riley in Miami? Uh, That's a good question. I'm not sure, um, and I'm not trying to duck your question, but there's still, even though I, you know, I think most people think they know what the end is going to, the end result will be for guys like Winslow and Adebayo. You just don't know. Can they get to another level? I mean, can they get to a higher all-star level of play? I mean, I think most people feel like Richardson's there, right? I mean, I think a lot of people, I know I certainly believe that Josh Richardson is an all-star level player. Now, he may not play that way every night, but he's pretty good when he plays well. I mean, he's a really good player. Um, but the other one, that's where I'm not sure. And I don't know. Well, my inclination is that this is probably who they are. and They're not going to get a whole lot better. But, you know, you have to allow for the possibility that they might. And if you get another piece that you can pair with Richardson, well, now you just have to go sign somebody. Um, at some point, and you have to create the room to sign somebody. I know that that's not not there right now, but you know, there's things that they can do. There would, I mean, people, there would be interest in Dragic, for example, if you were trying to start clearing some space cap wise down the road. Um, some of the other ones, you know, you know, you got to see waiters back on the floor. I'm not saying he's got no value, but still he plays. Uh, always a trade for him, obviously. Um, you know, in some of the other ones. I'm not sure there's a whole lot of value. I think they might have, you know, taken a gamble uh, that they could improve it from within the group that they had. And I, I kind of share your your position that I don't know, like who who on that group, like you go, wow, that guy's really going to be great in two years. I don't see that guy on that team. I see a I see a pretty good player in Richardson. I see good role players. They're all they're all really good role players, but I don't see that second guy. Um, it doesn't mean they can't get him. It just means I don't see them there, and I don't, and they don't have the wherewithal right now in terms of cap space to me to be aggressive in it. Now they can go create it. They want to get rid of a couple of guys, but they don't have it right now. So I want to take you back to the 2017 summer then, because uh, you know th- that's that seems to be. I mean, 2016. 
hurt them in the sense that, you know, they decided basically to match what other teams were going to give for Hassan. And then after letting Dwayne walk, they gave the money essentially to Tyler Johnson and that, that sort right. of back, backloaded deal. Um, so yeah. I, you know, that, that was not a great off season. I, to me, 2017 was, was more harmful because, you know, you, you kind of seen what the team was. You could have rolled back with maybe bringing in some other guys on one year deals, kept the space open, uh, and instead, instead, they sign Olenek, which that's worked out fine. But you, you look at the other ones, the Waiters contract and the James Johnson contract, neither of which are on the floor right now. And I can tell you that the Heat are kind of pushing back on people now because they're like, well, we haven't seen our full roster yet. And I'm kind of like, okay, but what are we expecting from Dion? And I like James Johnson as a player, and maybe he'll be better when healthy this year, but he, he wasn't great last year. I just want to – were you hearing – around the league that there was interest in Deion Waiters in particular. James Johnson, I know there was some, but like, was anybody yeah. offering Deion Waiters four years uh, in 2017? Cause that, that's the one I just don't get. Yeah. I mean, I think there were, there were some teams that were interested, but not at that number. And that's what I think kind of makes everybody scratch their heads a little bit. Um, I don't know who they were negotiating against. Now, again, it only takes one other team. You guys mm-hmm. know that. And you know, it only takes a good agent <laughs> you know, five minutes to, to create a market um, for, for his guy. Um, so I, 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 I share your position. Well, I, I would say this. I, I just I just thought it was crazy for them to match the offer on Tyler Johnson. I just mm. thought it was crazy. I mean, I just didn't see anything in Tyler Johnson's game that made me believe there was. I mean, to match that offer, you got to think he's going up two levels, not just one. I mean, one is, you know, really good player, maybe top 10, top 15, top 12 at his position. And two is all-star, right? I mean, so you, you've got, so you're thinking if I'm matching this guy, if I'm matching this offer, it's because I think this guy's going to be an all-star. He's not an all-star. <laughs> okay. So um, right. just isn't, I mean, that's just, so, I'm not trying to be snide or anything. He's not an all-star. So, I mean, that to me, as, as weird as it was that they gave waiters that money, at least waiters had, Lashed on occasion to make you believe that, and whether it was in Miami or Oklahoma City or some of the other places he was, at least he had some games where we went, wow, okay, he's really rolling tonight. Um, you know, James Johnson it brings a toughness, a legit toughness, a legit ability to, to defend when he's when he's right and healthy. And so I understood that. It was a little bit more than I would have spent for them, but I understood why they brought those guys or why they wanted to keep those guys. Because especially the way the league is going now, and you're playing small, you need guys that can score. And, and Deion Waiters, I think we can all agree, when he's healthy, he can put the ball in the basket now. He can do that. So there's value there. Um, but to me, Tyler Johnson was the one where I just went, wow, I just don't even know why this is a conversation. You know, And it all goes back to 2016. They'll do 30 for 30 in 2016. It was, it was, I have never been witness to a collective, just complete loss of people's minds that they had in 2016 that they did they agreed to deals that made no sense then and make even less sense now (laughs) and it was just it was just it was league-wide insanity because they didn't know what to do with all this money that they had Mm. you know they just literally lost their mind and threw money at people for no reason and it's not even it wasn't even the money it was the money and the years that's what i'm talking about with whether it's tyler johnson or some of these other guys that got signed it's not that it's not that the Lakers gave Oscar $64 million. They gave him four years of $64 million. You know what I mean? They couldn't get out of it. So, I mean, they, unless they had, to, they had to give up a pick to get out of it. So, um, it just was crazy. 
And I think every there isn't one team other than Golden State, obviously, that I think had a great 2016 summer. So um, if Miami messed up that summer, they weren't alone. Because remember, Brooklyn's the one that gave them the offer sheet, mm-hmm. and they gave an offer sheet. They gave a bigger offer sheet to Alan Crabb. So I mean, that you know they would have had you know they could have had both those guys and had no cap room. You know, so it was league wide. When they, when they go to interview David Aldridge for the 2016 30 for 30, uh, what is the anecdote or story that you would remember most from that offseason? Well, I, look, again, I think it's Washington. I look at, I mean, I'm looking at everything, obviously, through a Washington lens now. But, you know, again, Wizards are, are like ground zero. Okay, so they they spent two years clearing cap space to make a run at Durant. They don't even get a meeting with Durant. <laughs> okay, he doesn't. They go, and they're 45 minutes away. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a plane to get up to the Hamptons. It's not that far, you know, so they don't, he won't even give them the, the grace of having a meeting to turn them down. So they totally whiff on that. Then they go after Al Horford and by all indications got really close to signing Al Horford, and, but they didn't get him. So, uh, you know, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, right? So um, now they got all this money, they got nobody to spend it on. And they go, okay, well, let's go get Jan Mahimi and give him $64 million, you know, <laughs> and let's go, let's give, let's give Andrew Nicholson $28 million, and people are going, what? <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, and so that is, there is, I mean, and other people have other tales in other cities, I'm sure that are equally as head scratching, but, you know, there were ripple effects to that. Because you gave Andrew Nicholson $27 million, and you realize that that was a big mistake about two minutes in the training camp that year. Um, <laughs> you then didn't have the money to, you, you, you didn't want to then extend Otto Porter, which you could have done for 21, 22 million a year. So instead, now you have to give a first round pick to Brooklyn to get his contract off your books for Bogdanovich, who played really well for you, but you had no intention of re-signing. Mm-hmm. And now he's playing really well for Indiana. <laughs> you know, and and now you can match. Now you can match an offer sheet for Otto Porter, which you got for twenty-seven million a year. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so whose fault is that? I mean, don't be mad at Otto Porter because David Falk found somebody who gave him money. You know, I mean that's not that's not his fault. You know, so that's what I'm talking about. There were ripple effects for all these deals that were done in that summer that are still reverberating around the league right now. And you mentioned the Mozgov one. That's actually my favorite because it's not just that they gave him sixty-four million. They did it on like the first day. Like it was like first hour, first hour, yeah, first hour. Yeah, it, it, it was like this is the guy we have to have. The guy uh, who couldn't get bench for Cleveland in the finals at the end of that thing. We have to have. Uh, Mozgov. I mean, one of the most intimidating people I've ever interviewed, actually. But, uh, but a very nice man. But, but intimidating when you approach him. And, well, and he, can, very and first day. Oh, I know. I, I, I was, I was happy for Lou because I, that, you know, he was, he's playing hurt at the end of that uh, 2015, 16 season. And, and I, I said, where are you going to be next year? And he says, I'll tell you what, it'll be a good city. That's what he told me. And so we I knew it was. Either, love, love, love. We all it, love it, Lou. Oh, I know. And, and, and Biombo, Biombo for however many millions exactly. he got to, but, but actually you mentioned it reverberates and it does because we had Bobby Marks on the pod. And one of the things Bobby said, and this is problematic for the heat is that a lot of those contracts come up in 2020 and right. they're bad That's players right. who've already been overpaid. 
And so, right. so it's not a great class. That 2020 class does not set up as a very good class. So I know you don't have that much time. I want to get to some rapid fire stuff with you around the league. Uh, first, sure. the Golden State situation, which is still playing out as we're talking yeah. here. Um, we've always talked about what could derail the Warriors. Would it be a player leaving? Would it be? And one of the things that always comes up is Riley's disease of me, that eventually mm-hmm. it happens with these teams. I saw it happen in 2013-14 with the Heat. We've seen it happen right. with the franchise, seen it happen with the Lakers. Is this a problem, do you think? Or are we going to look back at this after they win another championship and Kevin Durant resigns and say, what were we all talking about? Um, well, look, I mean, I, I think he's leaving. I mean, I think he's leaving. I mean, there, if he were staying, I mean, he could, there's like seven different ways he could have diffused all of this and either signed a contract or said, hey, I'm resigning. I'm just doing this for bookkeeping purposes. But I have every, I'm going to stay here. He's done none of that. And I think the feeling around Golden State is, with some justification, well, then maybe he's probably leaving then. Um, and, and I said this today, because um, Marcus Thompson wrote a great story in The Athletic about the, the last 24 hours and everything that happened between Draymond and Kevin and what the fallout was and all that. Look, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that this is the last year of that group. Um, but that group is so unique because they had already won one without him. It's not like he got there. They had been flailing in playoff series, and he got there and straightened everything out. If that had been the case, then you might say, wow, this is really earth-shatteringly bad for Golden State. They already won a championship without him. They got to the finals, should have won two. You know, I mean, they should have won back-to-back. Um, and they, they didn't, but they should have. Um, so that dynamic is so different there because of that that I don't think it's going to be like the disaster of disasters if he goes somewhere else. They have got incredible cachet around the league with with players. I mean, the players really admire what they do at Golden State and the way they play with each other. So, you know, if Durant leaves, it'll be bad, but it won't be the end of the franchise. I mean, they have to re-sign Clay Thompson. And I'm of the mind that Clay is going to be there longer than anybody. I think he's. I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be the warrior for life. I have just just said. Um, now the Draymond thing is going to be problematic because it's very hard to kind of value Dray- Draymond. You know, I mean, how much do you pay for what he does? Um, because when he's doing it on a team that doesn't have the best shooting backcourt in the history of basketball on it, will he do it as well? And that's a fair question. I don't know the answer to that. But I suspect most teams are going to say, we love what he does, but he's doing it more efficiently because he's playing next to Curry and Thompson and Durant now. So um, I don't know what, I really don't know what the market is going to be for him. I, I mean, I'm sure somebody will give him a max deal, but I don't know. I don't know that for sure. Um, and Draymond, look, people will tell you this. I'm not telling you any secrets here. It's not the easiest thing in the world to suit up with, with Draymond night in night out. The energy he brings, the edge that he brings, that edge is the 360 edge. It cuts all ways, as we saw this week, right? So, um, you know, there may be some thought. I mean, it's, they may have some discussions about, well, what's the price point at which we don't resign Draymond? You know, and I don't think that's – I don't think you should be shocked if that happens. Quick follow-up on this. Why does everyone around the league think that Durant is going? Like, I've heard every national pundit that I listen to, they talk about Durant. It's always, well – we think he's going to go. Why has that kind of become a consensus in the NBA community? Because he didn't sign a long-term deal. <laughs> See, it's been a free agent three years in a row. He hasn't signed a long-term deal with them. LeBron took all of it off the table. I'm signing a four-year deal with no out. That takes it all off the table. There's no, there's no, there's no controversy. He's going to be in LA for four years. Durant could 
his right. But a guy that, and, and when he's asked about it, he does not say unequivocally, I am staying in Golden State for the rest of my career. You do not have to worry about this. I am only doing this to maximize the amount of money I can make on a contract, on a long-term contract, which would end all of it. He doesn't do any of that. He hasn't said any of that. So what, what are you supposed to glean from that, those decisions? Well, I mean, how, how else are you supposed to interpret it? He's had multiple chances to sign a long-term deal there and end all this speculation. He doesn't do it. So, I mean, what else am I supposed to think when a guy doesn't sign the contract that would keep him there forever? He, you know, I mean, you tell me. What are we, what are we supposed to think? Well, especially because it's not like a situation like, say, LeBron in Cleveland where you're trying to hold the owner's feet to the fire. I mean, there's nothing else the Warriors can do. They've done everything perfectly. So it's like, you know, and, and, and they've got a new arena coming. And, I mean, I mean, the energy of the place is great. I mean, it's not like Cleveland where you take LeBron off that roster and they look like the Washington Generals. I mean, I, you know. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Oh, it's, it's a totally different deal. In fact, I think, except for the game last night where they somehow blew out Charlotte, I think what the Cleveland start this year has proved is that LeBron probably should have won the last four MVPs because, uh, or at least the one, uh, you know, where Ky- <laughs> ones where Kyrie wasn't totally healthy because I mean, that is a total, total mess. All right. Last one here for you, David. I, I know you got to run um, Carmelo. Um, mm-hmm. As we're speaking about this here, uh, you know, I feel like we're all devoting too much energy to him as sort of unproductive uh-huh. as he's been overall for the last four years, but he's still a name right. that fans recognize does he have any value anywhere? Is, is there any place in the league? Because when he went to Houston, I was pushing Miami, don't sign him, don't sign him, don't sign him. Houston's going to regret it. Houston's going to regret it. It took about a week. Um, and then you looked at the numbers last year with Paul George and Westbrook with him on the floor last year, and they were terrible. You took him out, and they were yeah. better. And, and OKC looks better already to start. You know, they've sort of turned it around a little mm-hmm. earlier this year. Is there any team in the league he can help? Not as a starter. Uh, I think, you know, everybody knows that everybody can see the numbers, the defensive numbers just go through the floor, right? I mean, no matter where you put them on the floor, it just doesn't work. Um, I still think he has value. If 
he was willing to accept the role coming off the bench, being a sixth man, being, uh, you know, a scorer for hire, a guy that could, that could still get to the basket, could still draw fouls, still score points in bunches. He could help a bunch of teams. He could help Miami if he were willing to accept that role. I don't, I don't know that emotionally he's ready to accept that role yet. And, you know, until he is, I, I don't know where he thinks he can play that he can help somebody um, because he just does not give you what you need defensively um, to justify the minutes that a starter can get. You know, you, if you're going to play 30 minutes in this league tonight, you got to be able to defend somebody. you got to go be able to guard somebody. You know, it's just the league's too hard now. It's, with everybody shooting threes and playing small ball, you can't play 30 minutes and not be able to guard anybody because you just cost your team too many points because everybody's shooting too, all these threes. And he just, I just don't think he can guard starters anymore. Now, if you're willing to play 22, 25 minutes off the bench, you know, against second-level guys that he could probably defend better, and I can, I could stagger minutes to keep a couple starters on the floor with him so that defensively it wouldn't be, you know, really bad. I mean, again, I think he could help somebody, but it does not appear that Carmelo's ready to accept that yet at, at this point of his career. And so I think, unfortunately for him, he's going to, you know, probably going to get released by Houston and then start bouncing around. I mean, because somebody will take a chance on him because he can still score. Um, but I don't know how, that he can really help a good team unless he's willing to take that take that role. Be interesting to me to see if LeBron rescues him because I, I feel like that's the one place. But it also doesn't make a lot of sense because you've got Kuzma and Ingram. Yeah. They're already kind of battling for minutes around LeBron, and now you're going to yeah. add somebody else. And and I don't know that I, I'm I'm a big admirer of what Carmelo's done off the court. Um, Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not as much an admirer of the way that he has sort of gone about life on the court. And, and I, I don't know that he'd be uh, the best influence there. Well, David, we really appreciate you doing this with us again. You can follow him at David Aldridge, DC He's now writing for the athletic. Make sure you get your athletic subscriptions. Both Chris and I do also follow all of the guys who cover for the athletic Miami. We've had five of those guys on our pods already. I'm sure we'll have a couple of them soon. If any of the teams down here get better, and uh, and David, enjoy the uh, enjoy the Wizards show up there. Um, you know, we'll we'll probably see you fighting for an eight seed here pretty soon. I would guess <laughs> six to eight, somewhere in there. I think so, you're right. <laughs> yeah, somewhere. Thank you, David. Thanks for doing it, man. Sure, my pleasure. We'll get to the second part of episode in a second, but first, want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Brunt Insurance. You can find them at. Brunt Insurance on Twitter or BruntInsurance.com. That's B-R-U-N-T, insurance.com, where you can find all of your protection under one roof. That means home, auto, commercial, and life insurance, and they're licensed to write insurance for the entire state of Florida. That's Pensacola all the way down to the Keys. They've got multiple carriers for all your product lines to ensure you're paying the lowest rate in your area. They're also proud sponsors of the Homes for Heroes program, which offers special discounts for first responders, teachers, military, and healthcare professionals. Check them out. Again, it's bruntinsurance.com, or you can call 954-589-2204. Again, that's 954-589-2204, and tell them that Five Reasons sent you. Another of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is BetDSI.com. BetDSI.com. You can find them on Twitter at BetDSI, where you can bet on virtually anything. You can bet futures. You can bet before the game. You can bet during the game. And if you use our promo code, it's Reason101. That's R E A S O N. 
101, you'll get your initial deposit matched up to $2,500. Anything on there that interests you, Chris? Yeah, looking at the football this weekend, the Miami Dolphins were uh, Miami based, so the Dolphins are off. And so, uh, really, you fill out your Sunday by wagering and all the action. It's going to be absolutely amazing. BetDSI.com is where you check it out. University of Miami are road favorites despite losing four in a row. And obviously, the NBA season is in full swing. All kinds of action that you can check out at BetDSI.com. Don't forget that promo code REASON101 is where you check it out to bet on all the sporting action. BetDSI.com, promo code REASON101. While we have you here, I want to also tell you about one of our great partners, and that is Doral Toyota, where you can find all your favorite Toyota models, whether you're looking for a new, used, or certified pre-owned vehicle. Doral Toyota is located at 9775 Northwest 12th Street in Miami, just a few blocks from International and Dolphin Malls. Experience the Doral difference, which means four years complimentary maintenance and roadside assistance on all new vehicles. In-house financing is available for credit-related issues. Also, if you mention five reasons when you call 305-680-1129 or come in, you will work with a dedicated manager, not a salesman. Unlike other dealers, Doral Toyota prides itself on an honest and transparent buying process. That's Doral Toyota. DoralToyota.com or stop in at 9775 Northwest 12th Street. Hi, this is Craig Mish from Swings and Mishes here on the Five Reasons Podcast Network. Just in case you missed any of our podcasts in the past, here's what you missed. We have been um, extremely aggressive in, in trying to acquire additional uh, international dollars, not just for, you know, uh, potential free agents with two first names. It's nice that that ownership is, is fully supportive and allowing us to, to, to do everything in our power um, to be um, the best team in, in, in this region, in the gateway to America, and, and, and for Miami to become a destination spot for, for all Latin players, uh, because, you know, this is such an international city. All right, thanks again to David Aldridge for joining us. Now Chris and I are going to tackle the heat ourselves. And the one thing we want to talk about, because we really haven't had an opportunity to do it since the trade happened, is whether or not the heat should really be blamed for what happened with Jimmy Butler. And I'm going to put it in this context, too. Um, You could look at it as, should they be blamed for not getting him? And then the other question is, should they have been giving up that much to get him in the first place. Right. So like, Mm -hmm. I think these are really two different topics. It's like, was it a good idea to go after Jimmy Butler when all the things we've talked about making 42 million at the end of that contract, where he would be at that stage, considering how long he played for Tibbs, some of the attitude issues that he had in the locker rooms of Chicago and Minnesota, all of those things together. He's really that impactful or difference making to begin with. Right. If he's a top 10 player, which I I don't believe he is. I don't want to poo poo it now. I think I've always said I think he's somewhere between about 11 and 15. And I also think there are going to be some fit issues in Philadelphia going forward unless they're able to kind of flesh out that roster and bring in a couple of shooters. So that's really one question is should they have been doing it in the first place and what should they have given up? And then the second question is should should they have tried harder? Right. So these are really two different Mm -hmm. topics. I think what you and I want to get into more so today is did they do enough if you're going to if you're going to say they should have tried to get him, did they do enough to try to get him? And I know you want to touch on a report that came out from Mark Stein. Yeah, and and I found this interesting, and, and our uh, friend over Miami Heat beat uh, Lefty Life share, uh, shared this. 
and uh, it was the it was in the New York Times basketball newsletter. It was Mark Stein basically confirming what John Krasinski of the Athletic told us on the podcast, which was when the trade was initially going down in early October that Josh Richardson was a part of a potential trade for Jimmy Butler, and that the offer was Josh Richardson, Kelly Olynyk, and a first round pick. And apparently, according to Mark Stein, it broke down because at the end, Tom Thibodeau asked for cash, $5 million in cash, which I believe is the maximum amount that can be included in a trade. I don't know why the Timberwolves need this cash, or uh, maybe it's sort of so that the Timberwolves can add to their allotment of cash that they can send to other teams. Either way, it was a bizarre request, and that is apparently where trade talks broke down, which... It kind of makes sense because that is a that is a late sort of that is a late stage hail mary that somebody asked for in a trade, and when all the parameters are in place and when everything else is ready to go, and that's the thing that that breaks down the trade, it would, it kind of makes sense with the timeline of it. And I guess my point is is that I think a lot of people, a lot of Heat fans in particular, are thinking that the Heat did not do enough that you do anything you can to get this player because Jimmy Butler is far and away would represent far and away the best talent that the Heat could acquire uh, in comparison to their current roster. And so I guess in, in, in not knowing what the actual trade offers were, I, I never really felt comfortable in saying, did Pat Riley do enough? Did the Heat overestimate their position? And all along I said that even if the Heat looked like the only obvious trade partner at the moment, that the leverage that the Timberwolves had was if you don't give us what we want, you don't get the player, and that ended up happening. So that form of leverage eventually existed. And so I, I just sort of wonder if the Heat w- did indeed make that trade offer, should they be criticized? And I kind of came to the conclusion after reading the story that the answer was no. Like, I think that Kelly Olynyk, who I think is a, is a good player on a good contract, Josh Richardson, who's a good player on a, on a, on a good contract, and a first-round pick is more than enough to consummate this trade, given the negotiating position of the Timberwolves, and even just sort of in normal circumstances. Good young player, first-round pick, good to, you know, sort of, I wouldn't say middle-aged, but kind of prime player, if, if you can consider Kelly Linux prime, something that would be desirable. So I, I just kind of came to the conclusion that I'm okay with how it transpired if that indeed was the offer in early October. Yeah, and I'm okay. Let, let me touch on the cash thing. I mean, that part of it makes very little sense to me. Like you said, I guess it could be sent out somewhere else, but I mean, to make that request at the end and that amount of money uh, does strike me as extremely odd. Now, again, you know, our reporting all along had not had Richardson included. I think Mm -hmm. we've gotten to the point here and I'm totally willing to do this to accept the fact that there are enough credible reporters who have put him in the trade at some point that I'm going to defer to that at that stage. I don't think he was in it for very long. And I do think that there were other stages when he was in it, that it wasn't with a player that had a somewhat desirable contract like Kenny, Kelly Olynyk. that maybe it was a Dion waiters for a period of that time, but let's just take it at face value that it was Richardson Olynyk and a first that actually happens to be the trade that our Alex Toledo of Miami heat beat first proposed on the very first article on this, when this was first started to break, when we actually broke that Jimmy Butler was interested in coming to Miami and the heat were interested in him. So if it was Richardson Olytic and a first round pick, I think Riley offered more than enough, honestly. And I'm not going to blame him for what happened in this go around. And I'm not going to blame him for what happened in 2018 off season when all the, they really did was bring back Dwayne, you know, somewhat for competitive purposes, but also, you know, largely for marketing ceremonial purposes as well. Um, and bring back Ellington on a very smart one year deal. I don't blame him for anything that's happened during that period of time. Everything I'm talking about 
is what we talked about with David Aldridge goes back to the crazy summer that the whole league had that the Heat got swept away in, and usually they're smarter than that in 2016, and then compounding the error in 2017. Um, not about 2018. I have not had a problem with anything they've done, and I understand that there are Heat fans that are frustrated, including some in our network, who are like, well, this was the only way to get a player of Butler's caliber, so do whatever you have to do. I think, um, you know, Greg, lefty late, that's his belief. Like, you had to get the player, right? Because the player might have led to some other player. But, of course, the Heat were still in a position where they couldn't have really brought in a Max guy anyway this summer. So I don't know that necessarily this was the piece that was going to lead to the piece like people were talking about. And I don't know how happy he would have been long-term, right? Or if you're trying to move him in a year or two, or if he's still playing at a really high level. So from a roster construction basis, I understand that he'd have a ton of role players, as David Aldridge was talking about, and they need an alpha dog. And maybe Butler, who I really think on a good team is a two, but maybe he could have been a one in this situation. I mean, people didn't look at James Harden as a one, right? Until Houston, Daryl Morey identified him as a one, right? He was the third or fourth best player in Oklahoma City, even though he's sixth man of the year. He identified him as a guy who could be a one. That's turned out to be the case. I mean, Clay Thompson, there's some question. If he went somewhere else, would he be a true number one? I'm not sure. I see him as more of a two or a three. But in Jimmy Butler's case, maybe he would have turned out to be a really good number one. We saw some signs of it in Minnesota last season where he was kind of co-number one with Towns, and maybe that would have worked out. But I don't think he was worth sort of mortgaging the farm for just because you were desperate because it was the only way you were going to get a star or a pseudo star. So I don't I don't really blame them for any of it. Um, this is a mess of their own making, which is what I wrote in a column that I know the organization didn't like, but it, this is a mess of their making and it was created in 2016 and 2017. And, uh, but I'm not going to torch them for not making more of a mess of it now, if that makes sense. And deciding then, okay, if you were, it wasn't going to be Richardson Olenek, a first and 5 million that it was going to be Richardson, bam. Okay. Olenek, you know, or right. taking back Gorgie Zhang's contract, mm-hmm. right. Which was something that was also a possibility just to get something off your books, but you end up taking a deal that's even worse. Like I, I'm not going to bang on them for that. I guess, and, and the issue that sort of comes up next is, well, then who's that guy that's going to become available? There is a scarcity of difference-making players, as the Heat are well aware of, because they don't have any of them. And so, if you, and I guess this was kind of Tibbs' position, uh, if you aren't going to give me what I want, then you're going to continue on without this player in your team, and you are desperately lacking for that player in your team. And so... Is Damian Lillard the next guy that's going to be available, or CJ McCollum at Portland, who, by the way, are like have like the third best record in the league early early season here? But they're they're a team that I don't think is going to be thinking about breaking it up anytime soon. Like there is ultimately a shortage of these players for now, and I guess the question starts to become. Do you just run out the clock on these contracts, maybe here or there, try and shed one or two of them uh, and maybe take back an expiring salary so that uh, you can help another team win while you get a, a, a step closer towards a free agency? As we talked about, 2020 might not be the year, it might be 2021, but then you're, you're trying to sell tickets to fans without Dwayne Wade, maybe you know on tour number three of Vice jerseys. Like, How do you continue to generate enthusiasm? And I think that's ultimately where... I think people do say mortgage the farm because I don't have any enthusiasm right now. I want some enthusiasm, and I think that's why some fans will be desperate to do this. But I understand from Pat Riley's point of view, 
I'm not going to do that just to appease a fan base or just because we want to win some more games this year. We have to think about something broader. And like you said, if you give away Bam in this trade when ultimately the deal was Sarge, Covington, and a second-round pick, that would have looked pretty stupid. Yeah, no question. And look, I wanted them to do it, not because I thought it was a great move, but because of what you said. There's no enthusiasm for any of the teams down here right now. And at least Jimmy Butler just seeing how that worked. I mean, look at what it's been. I mean, I was, look, I was there at the arena when Philadelphia came in. Jimmy wasn't even there and he was the topic of conversation. Okay. And, and, and it was a big deal because Philly is a buzz team now and the heat, I'm just sorry. And I know again, they didn't like the column, but they're not a buzz team. I mean, there's just no way to look at it. And, whether or not they've been the Dolphins for years. No, they haven't been. For the last 20 years, they've been the thing that saved this sports town. They are the competent organization. But right now, you can't argue with it. They're kind of in the same spot as the Dolphins. And in some ways, the Dolphins are in a little better shape like because the way that the, the salary cap works in the NFL, mm-hmm. it's not a straitjacket like it is in the NBA. Like There are moves the Dolphins can make to get out of a salary mess. The problem the Dolphins have is, okay, then you're out of the mess and then you're, you're going to pick all the wrong players again. Like that's, sure. that, that's been the Dolphins issue. Like I don't worry about that with the heat. Like even if you go back to the summer of 2016, when Dwayne, when they didn't sign Dwayne, they had a list of guys lined up to sign. They did it very efficiently. It was a pretty incredible job by Andy. They, then they brought in a lot of the right guys like Deion waiters on $2.7 million for one year is a great deal. Wayne Ellington proved to be on one year deal, a great deal. James Johnson on a one year, $5 million contract was a great deal. Like they did a hell of a job. They lined up five or six guys. And then in my opinion, excuse my French kind of fucked the whole thing up the next year. Like (laughs) I, I, and that's, and, and so, I mean, I, I thought they did all the right things then. So, I still have faith that they know how to identify players. I mean, look, they identified Josh Richardson, whether that was Chet or Adam. It doesn't matter who it was. The reality is they identified Josh Richardson. They identified Rodney Magruder. Nobody wanted Rodney Magruder. Rodney Magruder now looks to be a legitimate NBA starter at the very least. He's a legitimate NBA rotation player. They identified Udonis Haslam years ago. They identified Anthony Carter, Malik Allen, Mike James. I they're good at this. They're good at this. They're good at this. So I don't worry about that with them. My frustration with them has been that they are good at all those things. Expectations are higher for them because they don't mess up that stuff. So the only way that the Heat can't thrive, the only way when they have location, they have pedigree, they have intelligence, they have all of those things. The only way that Attract they don't your front office and coach. All of it. All of it. Okay. The only the banners that are up there. Okay. The the only thing that will keep them from thriving is if they literally tie their own hands behind their back. Okay. Mm-hmm. And not only did they tie them behind their back. Okay. They basically then tied them in the back, slammed the door on them, and cut them off. I mean, that's that's essentially <laughs> what they did here, and that's my frustration with it. So when I compare them to the Dolphins in a column. It's not saying they've been the Dolphins, okay? It's saying, like, why would you put yourself in the position to even be the Dolphins for a minute? And that's that's kind of where they are. Um, the other thing, you know, you mentioned this, too, about getting a star. I mean, it's like everything is broken wrong for the Heat so far this year. So you mentioned Lillard and McCollum, right? Okay, and Giannis. So those are two of the, the four or five best teams in the NBA so far. Like, if you're looking for a star to shake free, you want their teams to fail. Like, what we were talking about with David Aldridge about Washington. Okay, Wall and Beal, like, that team is failing, okay? Like, uh, the, you know, they're sort of stuck in this nether place also. But, like, you want Portland or Milwaukee to fall apart, right? So Lillard or Giannis is like, I don't want to be here anymore. Like, let me get me to a, a, a sexier market. I, l- I like both those cities, but, like, get, get, me, get me to a sexier market to a team that can win. Okay, well, Portland's winning. 
Milwaukee's winning. Like, would it stun me if Milwaukee got to the finals, if Giannis goes nuts? No, it wouldn't. I mean, I still think they need another piece, but I don't think they're that far off. So that hasn't broken right for the Heat either. So then you're looking at Anthony Davis and you're saying, okay, well, they're a little bit over 500. They haven't been a disaster either. So really, I don't see a way out of it. And I know that's why Heat fans were like, just do something, do something. And now I'm at the point where I've gone from Jimmy Butler trades, which you know may not have made sense, to pitching like, okay, I'm watching Fultz, you know, basically triple pump before he takes a free throw the other night. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, I really like Rodney Magruder and Wayne Ellington. I personally, they're both great guys. And yes, in a heartbeat, I would send them to Philadelphia for Fultz because the numbers match. And I would I would look at it like those two guys could help Philly immensely. Okay. Another yeah. defender off the bench. They're, two guys they're, they're this year's Bellinelli and uh and Ilyasova. Yeah, absolutely. They would help them immensely. Okay. And yet the Heat would get a look at Markel Fultz, who's this Uber athlete, and figure out can we turn him into a shooter? And again, something else the Heat are good at. I'm gonna keep mentioning things they're good at because I know they think that we've been hard on them. They're really good at helping players shoot better. There's a track record there, okay? I mean, good shooters come to Miami, and they become great shooters, and so-so shooters become good shooters. Don't give me justice at 28% this year. I understand there's always an exception, (laughs) but they even got justice at 38% last year, so they're good at that. And, I mean, Rodney Magruder's shooting in the 40s from three. Like, I mean, he was was a 33% shooter as a rookie from three, and so... I look at it like, okay, if you got Fultz in the heat system with less pressure than he has in Philadelphia where they're trying to win a championship, could you sort of mine a diamond there? I think they're going to need to look at that, Chris, because I, I, I just I, at this stage, they couldn't make the big move. I don't see a big move coming, and they can't keep this roster together any longer, like as is. It's just it's a mess. It's, it's, it's not the fault of the players. It's just like you would never construct this roster. They're too big in some places. They're too small in other places. Too much duplication. Uh, they need to at least inject it with a little bit of life. Agreed. And and I, I really like that trade idea uh, from Markel Fultz. I thought a distressed asset this offseason was going to be Lonzo Ball and that the Heat could swoop in and, and make a play for Lonzo Ball uh, with LeBron potentially wanting LeVar out of there. Now, LeVar has not been a problem, but uh, I, I do think that distressed assets is the way that you go. And I, I still think as much as DA wanted to say that no one wants a piece of that John Wall contract, like I, I think if – the he if the he could make an offer for John Wall in which you give up some of the things that you don't want, i.e. Tyler Johnson, right? If I if I said you can get off of Tyler Johnson and Hassan Whiteside in exchange for John Wall, I feel like the the Wizards would do that because they're just short on NBA caliber players, and the Heat would do that because they're getting off those two guys, and John Wall maybe is reborn in the hashtag culture of the Miami Heat, and I feel I, like I still think that there's a universe in which the Heat can get off the things that they that, that they don't want, the Wizards can get off the things that they don't want, and they can figure out a way to make that work. And okay, maybe you're paying John Wall an exorbitant amount of money, but if he's anything like the player that you saw towards uh, 2016, I. I I think that's kind of worth it. I think that's a player that can be, uh, you know, the second best player on a championship team. And so th- that's what the Heat are short on. Uh, there are there are going to be distress assets, and I think the Heat should be thinking like, about making plays for all of them. I think they have to at this stage. And, and look, and I'm sure they're they're working it. Um, I can tell you that we, we've got this one guy in the crowd at American Airlines Arena who sits above. I'm not giving away his secrets because he's put it all on Twitter. He sits above the Heat brain trust uh, on the baseline. And so he was snapping all those photos of 
them there's there was one tv that was always on the minnesota game when the heat were playing like none <laughs> no other game around the league it was always the monitors on the heat game and then the minnesota game and that tv you know the other night whenever washington was last playing when the heat were playing uh was on the washington game and so look obviously it could be a total coincidence but obviously it's the next place that people are looking and i can make a case for john wall even though that contract is horrendous uh, but I think it may have to be smaller moves. I, I think it might have to be. And and look, all of this stuff, and, and this is the other thing I, I don't totally understand about the Heat being somewhat sensitive about this. All of this stuff the Heat has said, like like Riley said all this at the end of last year. He said, we have too many guards, right? Okay, they still have too many guards. I mean, even with Dion not back, and he was back on the court the other day. Right. Even even with Dwayne, you know, you know, taking a week off, like, you know, for the paternity, like they still have too many guards. OK, so that's one issue that hasn't gone away. He talked about it being a mismatch roster that hasn't gone away. Um, and he also talked about how there would be he said this at the end of last year. He said basically there would be a lot of teams that had contracts they were trying to get rid of. And also that he sort of suggested that there would be trades made where it's kind of like my problem for your problem. Right. Like mm-hmm. and, and you sort of see if that works out. And the Heat have made those kind of trades in the past. They've made a lot of them. Now, some of them haven't worked out all that well. Some worked out better than others. I remember. um was it the Antoine Walker deal for Mark Blunt and Ricky Davis? Yeah, not ideal. Okay, that Antoine had kind of become a problem, and and you get Ricky Davis, and you know that helped you, you know, lose sixty-seven games. Um, I mean, they've made those kind of deals before. They're not always going to pan out, but like I, I just think to keep the roster together and, and think that this is going to fly, like they don't believe that. They don't believe that, and mm-hmm. this this idea that we'll get JJ and Dion back and everything will be okay. Okay. I think JJ can help them. Um, I do. I I think they can use another ball handler in the front court. I think to get him at the four, they've had to spot Derek Jones jr. Or Winslow there. That's not ideal. So to play James Johnson there um, and then to try to get the Olenek bam thing to work better than it has this year. It worked better last year than this year. It worked pretty well against Philadelphia the other night, but like I think JJ, but I, I just see no place for Dion on this roster or rota- specifically the rotation. I just don't see it. Um, I know he provides the element of being able to break you down off the dribble that other guys on the team can't, but unless he's in great shape, he wasn't an efficient player to begin with. He doesn't fit next to Dwayne. He only really fits next to Dragic because they had that kind of connection. And do you want to stick Dion back in the starting lineup next to Goron and move Josh to the three after Josh is starting to thrive at the two? I, I, I don't know. So I, I just I, I and we can look for what's going to turn this thing around, but I just don't see it on the roster. And the other point I've made on this is that when teams start to struggle and they know that they have a ceiling, that's when you start to take some time off and nagging injuries become a game or two games or three games. And we've already seen some of that. And I'm not implying in any way, okay, because I know this got misconstrued, not implying in any way that Dwayne bailed on the team because they're they haven't been good. I'm, I'm simply saying that, and again, that's a personal situation and he's handling that, you know, the way he and his family and Gabby want to handle that. What I'm saying is as the season goes on, okay, I, you'll start to, I believe if they're not competitive for a top four, top five seed, you'll start to see what you see on all these teams, which is that guys start to take a couple of days off with an ankle problem or whatever. And, and I think we're going to see more and more of that. And we already have Dragic, who's already playing through something in the very first month of the season. So I wouldn't be surprised if he misses time. So I I just, I thought they were a 43 win team like you did. 
I think they're a 36 to 37 win team now. And I, you know, to me, that's anywhere between eight and 10 in the East. So anyway, we'll, uh, we'll get some more NBA episodes as we go forward. We, we have a cool exercise we want to get to about the big three and the current team, but we will save that for a future episode. Again, follow all of our podcasts on the five reasons sports network and pay special attention to heat beat. Thank you for listening to the Fire Ringer Podcast. Thank you so much.